Hello, friends and folks, and welcome back to another episode of Romance of the Two Networks. I'm Six Detmar, the uh, general who suppresses noise in the background. Yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm Jennifer Uncle, the general who hasn't thought of a clever title yet. Uh, I'm M, and I am the general uh, surrounded by singing birds on this beautiful spring day. Yeah, it sounds lovely on your end. Yeah, it's nice. I'm Jackson, the general who posts too much. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> who is the general who posts too much in actual Three Kingdoms? And why is it Zhang Fei? Uh, I mean, Zhang Fei has been pretty quiet. I feel like Zhang Fei has found his lane and is coasting in it. I, I can't decide if Zhang Fei would just nonstop, like, do very bad shit posts, or if he would, like, Stephen A. Smith, take a look, y'all, like, posts. <laughs> like, not understanding Twitter at all. God. I, I mean, Zhang Fei's on Facebook. That's the actual answer. Mm, yeah. Yeah. K Kong Ming's a poster. I mean, Kong Ming is on everything. Like, he's got a secret TikTok nobody knows about. Yeah. Uh, where he d dispenses memes that he then quotes on his Twitter account like they're from yep. someone else. Uh, oh, yeah. He runs his own Mastodon. Yes. He has a Mastodon <laughs> instance you can get into if you pledge to his OnlyFans, uh, which he only uses for, like, text. Fans. It's really weird. It's actually only his fans. <laughs> <laughs> uh it's funny that we're feeling the need to do this this shit up front because this week is like packed gang yes we got some shit to talk about um and i'll 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 get through this i tried to make these summaries short i i think they're not as short as i would like but there's still going to be plenty of room for us to talk about them we'll talk about first about chapter 76 Zhu huang wages war on the river mian lord guan flees to my in defeat. Uh, Fusharan goes to Mifang to convince him to defect to the Southland. Mifang isn't ready to do so, but a badly timed request for aid from Lord Guan pushes him to defection. Short of allies, Lord Guan is surrounded, his allies defect or desert bit by bit, and his calls for aid from others are disregarded. He rejects one last demand for him to surrender, and Lu Meng offers Sun Quan a plan to capture the god of war. What is that plan? Read on. Uh, so uh, Jackson promised that Lord Guan was going to get his comeuppance, that the camera would turn back to Lord Guan, and boy, he is he is having a he is having a normal one. <laughs> I, I didn't say get his comeuppance. I feel like that would have been leading on too much to what happened. No, this week, no, listen, the camera does was, turn back to him. I was reading between the lines. You didn't say that. I just I'm a I'm a keen reader of people. I I like a new type. I have the intuitive ability. You can, uh, you you can see a situation, and understand it innately. Exactly. You can look at the situation and understand innately. Uh, the Lord Guan. You've never bummed. been influenced by transient emotions. <laughs> uh, as Jen can tell you, I've never betrayed anyone either. You know. <laughs> uh, so, Lord Guan has. Uh, just, just, f is this karma? Is the question. I'd say so, because... For what? Wait, for what? For what? For, um, I mean, first of all, for being a real shitheel about Jingzo. I mean, my question then becomes, like, is, like, all of it is karma then? Like, it, I don't yes. think this is any more karma than anything that befalls anyone else. To me, like, the actual thing that this represents is that... 
uh, Lord Guan is like the old, like iron horse general who can't get with the times. Yes. Uh, and this he ho- still thinks everyone's operating off of like sworn fealty when people are just doing their fucking jobs. This whole yeah. week is like uh, the generations are moving. Time is, mm-hmm. time is shifting. Uh, Lord Guan is from earlier in this book. <laughs> there's a, there's a really great moment. I think that really illustrates your point. Em where uh, Lord Guan, like, goes up against Zhu Huang, and he's like, Zhu Huang, like, you know, we were brothers, man, remember the old days? And Zhu Huang's like, yeah, those were really good times. A thousand gold pieces to the guy who takes his head. Lord Guan's like, what the fuck, man? And Zhu Huang's like, look, it's my job, what do you want? Yeah, it's like, (laughs) do you want me to just throw everything away because I, uh, you know, I like you? No, I have a job Because we played chess once? Yeah. Like, no, come on. (laughs) Speaking of liking people, somewhere Lord Guan lost uh, the little thing that if you want people to follow you, they should you should probably have them like you. Um, there's that whole bit where, like, throughout these various chapters more recently with him, he, anytime someone comes over to, to him to offer diplomacy, he gets very angry and threatens to start killing people. And... Lu Meng is over here taking care of his, uh, basically people who used to be in Jingzhou and, yeah. um, b- being overwhelmingly nice to them. And as soon as Lu Meng sends a messenger over to Lord Guan, he's like, fuck that, I'm going to kill you. And while that's happening, um, the people that are still under Lord Guan's, uh, arm are seeing all this and are like, man, Lu Meng seems like a nice person. Maybe we shouldn't, uh... Maybe we should rethink some things. So, of course, as soon as Lord Guan takes the field again, he has a ton of deserters. Yeah, I mean, it's the classic. We've had, like, examples, like, like a long time ago in this book where, like, like you'd have, like, people, like, sieging a city and, like, their parents would come onto the parapets to shout at them. Um, and, like, uh, Lu Meng does, like, the nicest version of this where he doesn't even, they're not even shouting at them. He's just like, oh, like, listen, we're gonna be, like, I'm gonna be so nice to them that without me even asking, these families are gonna send letters to the officers in Lord Guan's army being like, hey, things are actually chill here. Lu Meng, great guy. L- really look forward to seeing what he achieves in the future. Incredible tactical minds. Uh, bright bright future for this boy obviously he dies next chapter that's the joke here. i was really <laughs> bummed about that uh we'll get i was there. too <laughs> he seemed cool um because i we can we can move on to next chapter i think because next chapter is is when shit really pops mostly this chapter is just lord guan is fucking up um chapter 77 at mount yuquan lord guan manifests a divine presence in luoyang city Cao Cao feels the force of his soul uh, Lord Guan, bitterly aware that he has doomed himself by ignoring good advice, tries to flee but is captured. Sun Quan uh, pleads his allegiance, and when Lord Guan refuses, he is put to death. His steed, Red Hair, refuses to serve its new master and starves itself to death. Thereafter, Guan Yu haunts a number of souls. The, a Buddhist <laughs> monk who encourages him to move on. Lu Meng, who he possesses during a party to chastise Sun Quan, then lets Lu Meng die and Cao Cao, who he frightens by briefly possessing his own severed head when it is delivered to him by the Southlands. Cao Cao buries Lord Guan with honor, Shuanda remarries, and Shuanda, learning of Lord Guan's death, faints in dismay. Would he revive? Read on. <laughs> I love the order of events here, where Lord Guan's soul 
go floats over to Jade Springs Hill, and the monk uh, there, Pujing, is like, what? Well, Lord Guan is yelling, "Avenge me! Bring back my head!" And Pujing's like, "You know, you killed a lot of other people who also probably would have liked their heads to remain where they were." And Lord Guan's just like, "Oh yeah, my bad. I I should probably not do any of this." And then immediately the next scene, he possesses someone and causes them to die. <laughs> yeah, it is so hilarious that the first scene is him being like, you're right, revenge is wrong. And then he just goes and gets all his revenge. Yes. Uh, uh, I, uh, yeah, I am bummed that Lu Meng dies because Lu Meng is cool as hell. But the, the scene of Ling, Lu Meng like, suddenly just like shouting like the like Lord Guan insults and then collapsing with blood foaming from his mouth after like shoving Sun Quan aside and sitting in his throne. <laughs> oh, it's incredible. I was uh, I was mentioning to y'all um, in, in the DMs real briefly, but I I thought that Total War Three Kingdoms was a good game. <laughs> it turns out I've executed a lot of heroes and I've never had their ghosts come to haunt me, so it sucks. <laughs> oh. And then they start playing Hot Potato with Lord Guan's head, being like, well, if, if Juanda finds out that we have his head, he's going to come send people after us, so let's go send it to Sao Sao. And Sao Sao's like... Uh, maybe we could just send it back or something. And and his advisor has to point out, look, if we keep doing this, it's just going to make Juanda super angry. So you might as well just hold a burial and that'll maybe stifle some of his wrath whenever he comes around to figuring out what's going on. Mm-hmm. Also, the, the scene of like, uh, Sasao being like, oh shit, you sent me Lord Guan's head in a box? That rules! And he opens it and then the head just like quirks an eyebrow at him. <laughs> <laughs> he's like fuck strong evil dead sam Raimi energy from this chapter uh the thing that struck me about this chapter that i was surprised and i wouldn't say disappointed but like disappointed in like a meta level where like the story is about this is like when lord guan dies his son is executed with him um what's the guy's name who actually uh who gets poxed and dies basically by the ghost of lord guan i cannot remember that guy's name um uh Lu Meng? Yeah, Lu Meng. Like the like so much of this part of the book is like the old guard is going away and the new guard is stepping up and it's it's alarming to see how much of the new guard has to die to get that done. For sure. Yes. For sure. I was I was really looking forward to uh like God of War Jr. That yes. sounded fun to me. I, I also thought Lu Meng was like really interesting and for uh yeah. Lord Guan and his vengeance to kill him is like actually the pettiest thing Lord Guan has ever done and it, it happens after he dies. Yeah, especially cuz I mean Lu Meng like you know obviously you're not going to be super accommodating to a guy who who brought about your defeat. But Lu Meng was really decent about all of this. Yeah, yeah. He, he didn't. Uh, he didn't pressure anyone to write those letters talking about how great he was. Like any other general, you that would have been part of the plot. They they devise. Okay, we're gonna forge a bunch of letters within the handwriting of these families and send it over, and that'll turn the tide. But they just did that of their own accord, just because Lu Meng is such a nice guy. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I think Lu Meng was one of the reasons you were starting to turn uh, turn a corner on the Southlands. So uh, how how you feeling over there, Em? 
Um, okay. Sun Quan continues to fuck up, but in like interesting ways. His plan to get rid of uh, the head of Lord Guan to put the heat on Cao Cao is very funny in that it is the it is like a plan that would have worked in Chapter Ten, but everyone is very hardened now, and he instantly sees through it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not not the you know we've had we've had too many people die for just falling for really basic shit like that yes you know, for that to work at this point um and then also the the one ghost appearance that i didn't mention because i feel like you know it wraps into this is after uh shwanda remarries he's visited by lord guan's ghost who just sort of sits at his table and is like you gotta avenge me dude you gotta avenge me bro um bro <laughs> <laughs> and uh shwanda is is like oh shit is my brother dead and kami's like he's not dead don't be ridiculous and then he leaves and he turns to the he's like his brother's super dead <laughs> <laughs> and uh shwanda overhears and panics and then you know faints in dismay um shwanda is correctly mad at coming for this it's like you don't hide yeah. this shit from me uh yeah you got to tell we had a, we had a vow to die the same day, and you hid this from me, so I didn't go in the back room and stab myself. And then Cummings like, yeah, that that's true. That's exactly why I hid that from you because I didn't want you to go in the back room and stab yourself. Um, the the divide between uh, Cummings and Juanda in these chapters is really good. Um, mm-hmm. Like Guan Yu's death, really putting uh, a spotlight on the fact that they don't believe in the same thing even slightly. Yeah, but also like I feel like yeah, like like earlier chapters shwanda would have actually done it right uh spoilers for the next chapter we're about to read shwanda doesn't kill himself um nope he gets he gets talked out of it and i think previously like the shwanda who refused to take office after like rescuing a man who's about to die and is literally like begging him on hands and knees sobbing to take the symbol of office that shwanda would have killed himself uh i don't like, I get it, but I don't think it's that big a change because really what this is about is uh, Guan Yu showing up and going, yo, could you take some revenge for me? By the way, peace. Uh, after <laughs> some guy said, what you got to do, what you got to be really careful to do is not take revenge. Uh, sure. Because sure. He, like, where Juan is at at this point is like, I got to get someone. I got to get someone um, because he's really mad. Otherwise, his fealty to Guan Yu is nothing. Uh, the thing I think that is also low-key interesting is uh, in this chapter, they start referring to Shwanda as the king of Hanjong. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, he is that, but uh, I feel like it is a tonal shift in like the narration of the book that is interesting. Sort of like a, a, a layer of a, like separation yes. you're starting to add. Yeah. And sometimes they still refer to him as Shwanda, like when he's actually like doing his protestations and wailing and whatever. But uh, mm-hmm. when they turn back to what's happening in uh, this area, they refer to him as the king. <laughs> no name. Mm-hmm. So here's a. I wonder if this is a thing that can be answered without it being a big spoiler, right? I mean, you can all um, talk about it. I'll just be quiet then. <laughs> I mean, no. If you can, if you can be like, if if you feel like you can say something without it being a big deal. Okay. Um. I've seen the name Sima Yi a few times from Cao Cao, and I feel like that's a big name. Right? That guy's like a big deal? Uh, I don't remember. Okay, this is probably something I accidentally picked up from Dynasty Warriors then, so never mind. Okay. <laughs> and also that therefore means he may not be a big deal, because it turns out uh, 
Dao Chan wasn't the hero of seven battles who <laughs> ran around with like two sides. He's, he's just like a, a South Al general. That's cool. Okay. Okay. There was there's this, from Dynasty Warriors. There's a strong implication that he's like secretly sick as hell. Yeah, um, but and, like, you know, not to say he isn't, but like a big deal. But that's uh that's true of a lot of uh, characters in Dynasty Warriors. Sure, sure, very fair. Yeah, they made they made over eight. Well, they've made closer to like twenty or thirty Dynasty Warrior games at this point. At some point, <laughs> they're like, okay, who's this character? What's this name in the book? Let's fit him in somehow. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, and as I, as last time I played, I was encountering such legendary heroes as Lord Sasuke because uh, what Dynasty, Dynasty Warriors Eight uh, Empires uh, has a creator character mode and online integration where it will recruit oh, other people's yes! created characters. Fuck yes, it's so good. It's incredible. Shwanda turns to Kongmen and is like, "Do you have a strategy for defeating Sasuke?" <laughs> I had an entire, like, I hired an entire retinue of mercenaries who are all just, like, named after, like, like shonen characters, mostly Naruto and a little bit of One Piece, yeah. but didn't look even slight, like, not even like they were trying to look like them. Good. I mean, they're all it, just, like, cool dudes in sunglasses. If you find that guy from the Yellow Turban who can do, like, the fog magic, it will defeat an ocular jutsu. That's pretty much fact, so. That's a fair point. Well... I mean, I guess it depends on the ocular jutsu. Some can, like, if you get, like, the Byakugan, obviously you'd be able to see through the fire. Yes. But I don't think a Sharingan <laughs> would work, so... That's true. That's true. Man, you know what's cool? Fucking Naruto. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all have convinced me that maybe I should start reading it at some point. Yes, do not watch it. Absolutely read do it. Do not watch it. But yeah, reading it. Yeah, reading is all right. Um, the one uh, thing, the one thing in this chapter that I really actually like, uh, is when the spirit of Lord Guan goes to Pujing and, uh, it, he's like, oh, do you remember me? And Lord Guan's like, oh yeah, I guess I, I do. That was a long time ago, but yes. Uh -huh. And he's like, I'm What are you doing here? He's like, I'm looking for vengeance. He's like, look, you've killed like 7,000 people who is going to get <laughs> revenge for them. Uh, this is a horrible way to go about your afterlife. And uh, Lord Guan's like, hmm, you know what? Valid point. But then also seems to go to <laughs> Shwanda and ask for vengeance. Uh, spirit, uh, the spirits are feckle, I guess. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would posit that that conversation with, um, like, that conversation exists uh, mostly to set up, like, so you know, in your mind, as the audience, to know this is exactly what not to do while he goes and does it. Yes. Because <laughs> no one... In this book, like the way it operates, no one can do something bad without having been told directly beforehand. Otherwise, it wouldn't like land. That is they true. are making the wrong choice. <laughs> yep. Though also he does he does uh, guard a mountain village as it's like guardian spirit. So that's all right. That's cool. That's a good thing to do. Yeah. He's still like a cool guy, but mm -hmm. it's just dumb. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Uh, I do really like the the part where like. When Sun Quan or Sun Guan is about to execute, oh, it is Quan. Why did I write it with a G here? What's wrong with me? Um, when Sun Quan is about to execute him, he's like, "Listen, like, I just want to know. All we did was ask your you to marry off your daughter. Like, why? Why did this have to be a whole thing?" And Lord Quan's like, "Get fucked." He's like, "I, I guess I'll kill you." The the cool. the bit of this chapter where it then like cuts back to the Riverlands and is reveals that because ancient China, um. It takes a while for them to get reports of what's going on. And so they get the first report that 
uh, that they're trying to get Jingzhou back, and that they're like, I think it's about the marriage or something. I don't remember the specifics. But it's like, first report, and then uh, Cummings immediately like, all right, we've got to get Logwan out of there, like right now. He needs someone else who can do diplomacy and is not just honorable about fighting, uh, and mm-hmm. and it is not quick enough. <laughs> Yeah, like, immediately then another messenger shows up who says, uh, Lord Guan's under siege. And he's like, all right, new plan, we, and then another messenger walks in and says, Lord Guan's dead. And he's like, well, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, very, very, very good. Um, and Ghost, Ghost Problems is chapter 77, but chapter 78, Ghost Problems more... Treating an affliction, a famous practitioner dies, delivering the last command, the tyrant ends his days. Uh, Kongming and the advisors convince the grieving Shwanda to continue on. In Luoyang, Cao Cao tries to have an ancient tree cut down to build a new hall, but the spirit residing in it protects the tree, then chastises Cao Cao for his ambition. In the wake of this encounter, Cao Cao is left with an affliction that leaves him bedridden, and his advisors send for Huo Tuo to cure him. Huotuo arrives and offers to cure him, but to Cao Cao the treatment sounds like an assassination attempt, so he has the doctor imprisoned, interrogated, and lets him die in prison. Then, haunted by the ghosts of those he's killed, Cao Cao accepts his fate and passes away, naming Cao Pi his heir. Cao Pi prepares to take the throne, but his brother, Cao Zong, marches with an army to interfere. One man offers to turn this army around with words alone, who is it, read on. Uh, I would say that Cao Cao, for once, is probably exercising proper caution and not wanting brain surgery in the middle of ancient China. <laughs> Especially the way that it's described, like, oh yeah, just let me split your skull open and I'll remove a few things and you'll be good, good to go. <laughs> and he, even though Hua Tuo points out, oh yeah, um, I did the bone scraping thing with Lord Guan and he was totally cool with it, an arm is much different than your skull. Yes. <laughs> But it's, it's what, I mean, like, you know, I know this is based on actual history, but like in the narrative of the book, there is 0% chance that Southside dies for trusting the honorable doctor. No, 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 that's true. But as, as a person in the world in, you know, the year, what, 600, if someone goes to you and says, I'm going to cut open your skull and take a bit of your brain out, I would say no. <laughs> yeah, I'm I would thanks. also throw you in jail. Yeah. <laughs> uh. The bit with the tree is so intense because at some point, Sasso just gets frustrated and tries to cut the tree down with his sword, and the, and the tree just splashes blood on him. Oh, the imagery is so cool. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, really, it's really sick. I really love that, like, after all of this, after all of this, the thing that takes him down is trying to cut down an old tree. <laughs> what a way to go. Uh, cause yeah, then the spirit, like the spirit, like they splash, it splashes blood on him and then he rides home and then he's woken up in the middle of the night by the spirit who appears as a black figure with a sword who is like, you trying to cut down that tree means you're trying to become the new emperor. Fuck you. And like slashes him with the sword, giving him a brain tumor, apparently. Uh, yikes. It's cool. It's cool. It's cool. Uh. Well, cool. them leaning into like the supernatural stuff at this period is really good. Like you expect people to die in their big battles or whatever, but because it's following actual history, uh, that rarely happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and people usually just get sick and die at home, which is um, pr- presumably in history what happened to Cao Cao. But the way it uh, 
the way it narrativizes that is very cool and brings it into uh guan yu stuff because the sense of just like a time being over now uh is very good um mm-hmm. i think the way the book gives an impression of the mandate of heaven right being like a real thing um in its because it's like so core to the uh beliefs of all the characters and you know the the whole the whole way that china operates uh in this time uh and the book there's a real good sense of like you feeling that no sometimes the times just move on right sometimes mm-hmm. it is just time for things to end or things to change and it's not really much people can do about that uh that is good but also from the perspective of the mandate of heaven like as far as the literal like like em- emperor's permission right Mm-hmm. they they are like it's it, the the like the duality there of like how important it is but also how tossed off it is is kind of amazing because sal p is sitting there like i want to take the throne but i don't have the mandate of heaven i can't do it and he's just sitting there and someone shows up like hey why haven't you taken the throne he's like i don't have the mandate of heaven and he like reaches into his coat and says oh this mandate of heaven <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's kind of wild <laughs> it's also fun the way that the story um comes up with explanations for why certain wild shit doesn't happen anymore. Like, Hua Tuo um, ends up giving his book of medicine to a uh, to a guard who was really nice to him, and he's like, look, I don't want my methods to die out, so if you could if you could spend your days for, um, studying this and practicing it, um, this will carry on. And he brings the book home, and his wife burns it because she's like, you saw what they did to him. We can't have that happen to you, too. <laughs> yeah, honestly, like, I mean, I'm not going to say good on the wife, but, like, kind of, I, I understand that judgment of, like, oh, yeah, no, you're right. This de- this book will definitely make you happy by leaving you in jail tortured to death. Good job, genius. <laughs> uh, it's also, like, a good indicative trend of, like, all of this story in that, uh, there is a lot of heroism happening on all sides in the narrative three kingdoms, but it's all in service of like a stepping back of progress. Like the mm. world is getting worse by all of the efforts of like great epic heroes. And that's mm. never just not been consistently true throughout this book. Yeah, it is a real time of chaos. They did not lie. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, I mean, was like, I don't know. I feel like the the place we're at at the very beginning of the book with the emperor beset by corrupt eunuchs who are like ruining the land things are in a better place now i don't know the 30 years of war and like they've talked about how like Sasa had to stop fighting wars because everyone was starving in an entire kingdom i i do think things are a little better now but not because of like not hugely and not yeah. because of any like uh heroic effort i think that the thing we're meant to take away is that the, like three kingdom balance is as close to a good uh kind yes. of system in this chaos as you can get uh because i mean oh go ahead well just because at the start everything like the the casualty rates of how many people were dying how quickly in the early part of this war were ridiculous um in a way they're not now there's mostly like localized back and forths between uh the kingdoms because nobody can really get a purchase enough to do a huge campaign sure uh for me it's just like you know we we mentioned that a kingdom united must divide divided must unite yeah um 
like this story is a story of like the inevitability of the disillusion of progress and structure yes. Yes. and those things will reconfigure eventually and they are and they will probably by the time the story settles but like there is no like guarantee of forward progress and mm-hmm. i feel like this book is about that being like an, an innate fact of the universe uh mm-hmm. in a way that you don't see in a lot of like epic fiction that like i've read outside of this mm-hmm. for sure yeah, even the way that I, even the way that the real real world operates, I feel like there's an assumption that things will continue to be, will continue to get better, and we kind of lose track of how they can get so much worse in so little amount of time. Uh, yeah. Weird that this is brought up uh, by all of your anti-capitalist friends here at this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Go figure. Uh, so the I I feel like uh, Wei is kind of fucked here, because all of Cao Cao's heirs have been named as being like idiots. I mean, the way they set up this next chapter, this guy who's coming to March is going to get like defused immediately because that's how this book always is. When they're like, "Is this going to destroy the kingdom?" and the answer is always no when it does that. Um, and you know, the the person put in charge is the person Sasa thinks is best for the job, and he's been pretty good judge of that sort of thing so far. So I don't know. He also he also has he also has like vastly more men and resources than every other kingdom, right? But he's he's has vastly more men and resources than the other kingdom, and yet has failed to like take the victory. And I don't think like Wei's gonna disappear, but I think this is going to be a moment where. Way starts to lose some of its power. Well, where the other two kingdoms start to take because they suddenly have an an in. Yeah, I think I think if Shu and Wu like unite, Way's done. But they seem that seems like an impossibility. Though that means it will happen eventually. <laughs> yep. 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 I love how during Cao Cao's uh, live will, he's like. By the way, um, it'd be cool if we just kept a bunch of ladies and stuff at Bronzebird Tower performing stuff so my spirits, uh, so my spirits entertained. <laughs> Which has apparently not burned down. Yeah. Uh, so, there, you go. there we go. Uh, also, like, arraying all of his wives and concubines to, like, set themselves up in, like, an entrepreneurship where they will survive on their own accord is, uh, is good. Sasa looking after his own. Direct yeah, action. I was surprised by that. That was a, that was a fair. He's like, "Hey, listen, here, take this shit, and like, here's here's a bunch of silk and stuff. You learn to sew, you'll be good. You'll have your own business." Because it, otherwise, it was, otherwise, it is the dynastic. They have to rely on the kindness of whoever is in charge after them, which is not not a good way to live. If they aren't like put to death to be buried, yes, with him, yes, which also happens. So yeah, like really, pretty pretty decent. Hey, m- maybe you've heard Sao Sao, good dude. I don't know if I go that far. You're you're pushing your luck here with this one. I've I've, I've been I've been pushing that that sow sow that sow sow position that sow sow like I've been the advocate for my client <laughs> sow sow. Sao uh, Sao uh, is magnanimous when it suits him because he can afford to be. Uh, I feel like Sao Sao has never shown genuine kindness to anyone. Is the thing he is he is a, he he is a tyrant and petty about it. In uh, like even like he is not a petty tyrant because he fucking runs China, but he is petty and a tyrant. And I think he sucks. And I'm glad he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> now name me anyone in charge who you wouldn't say that about. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> I hope the emperor makes it out of this. I don't think he will. I said in charge. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, so what I think, here's my position. 
is that uh, Cao Cao, like him or hate him, he uh, the Han Empire, the Han Dynasty, was in charge for 414 years. And Cao Cao, you might say, ended the streak. You might say he's the one. So the thing, the thing 414 and one. The thing about that is like six months ago, I told Jackson that Cao Cao is just Trump and I've never gotten out of my head. That that's oh, true. that's terrible. Why would you say and that? I just can't back a guy who I've made that connection to. With. It's not true. It's a little bit true. It's, yeah, it's kind of true, because he does that whole thing where he lets other people talk for him, and he takes credit for it, being like, yeah, b- by the way, that's that was exactly what I was thinking, so thank you. I mean, like, listen, there are more egomaniacs in the world than our president. Sure, but that doesn't mean I want to stand any of them. Uh, fair. Lord Guan, that. that's an egomaniac I can get behind. Uh, too bad he's also dead. <laughs> Yeah, bad news about that boy. By the way, rip to Jahadun, who ended up dying just because he went to Cao Cao's aid while he was beset by ghosts. Yes. <laughs> Wait, he died from that? I must have missed that. I, th- I knew he passed out, but I didn't know he died. I thought that it said that he didn't recover. Uh, he dies. What? <laughs> <laughs> uh, have, you, have you ever tried to swing a sword at a ghost before? Uh, yes, actually. It's hard to do. It is. It's true. <laughs> and the last time we had someone swinging swords at ghosts, they ended up killing a bunch of their men. <laughs> the last time, wasn't it also Sao Sao? Was it? I don't remember. Don't ask I... me. He had the whole thing with, like, the, the monk who did, like, the black magic and stuff. I thought that was the previous Southland ruler. Maybe you're right. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. Okay. So much for my connecting thread of South Cell versus Ghosts. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, that was Sunsei. You're right. Um, yeah, this is the best set of chapters we've ever read. It's really good. This book's really good. This book's so good. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, I I'm really sad that we we lost Lord Guan and Sao Cao in one reading. That just means that just means we get new friends to be disappointed by in the future. <sighs> Nobody ever disappointed me quite like Sao Sao. <laughs> but I guess I guess I'll have to find new problematic faves. Yeah, Shwanda's so right guess, there. Yeah, if you want people to disappoint <laughs> you, this book is filled <laughs> with them. I can't stand Shwanda. It's never gonna happen. <laughs> Like, sometimes I enjoy how much I hate him, but that's just the most I've ever been able to get to. Oh, boy. Well, with the the three kingdoms in turmoil, we turn to uh, the the plug zone. Hey, Jackson. Hello, hello. Plug zone time. Uh, You can find me at headfallsoff on twitter.com. You can find the podcast that me and M do at Abnormal Mapping. Uh, There's a lot of cool ones there. Uh, You should plug the one you just put out. I should plug the Final Fantasy VII podcast. Yes. I assume that there's like no one listening to this who doesn't know about that podcast. But if 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 you are that one person, uh, me and Austin Walker just put out a Final Fantasy VII remake spoiler cast uh, on the Abnormal Mapping feed. Austin kindly guested, and we talked about uh, the new remake of Final Fantasy VII in and the ending and everything. And it's on the the Abnormal Mapping feed. You can find it at abnormalmapping.com. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter at em underscore being. Uh, we are supported on Patreon at patreon.com slash mapping. For $1 a month, you get the Great Gundam Project. The day this goes up will also be the day that the end of G Gundam goes up. Uh, earlier today, we recorded a big, long episode with our friend Casey. You might know him as Minofsky Article on Twitter. Um, he came in to close out G Gundam with us. And then next week, uh, we are starting Gundam Wing, which will be a free episode as the first of all of our seasons are. And that episode will have Austin Walker on it again. Uh, who wanted to be on wing uh, six will be there in like two months so yep and also any other time you want me <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've got a lot of people who are going to guest on wing because I, guess I what figured. everyone's seen wing everyone and their dog yes. loves wing uh, so it's going to be a guest heavy season we'll win you over I hope <laughs> uh, episode one was great. I know what you want. Oh, did you watch episode one? Yeah, it's fucking incredible. <laughs> oh, I was God. yelling the entire time. I was so Gundam. excited. Gundam. If that's, here. if that's what you're into, you're gonna have a great time with the show. Oh, I'm so relieved. Uh, Jen. So you can find me at JBU3 on Twitter. Uh, most of my stuff is on scanlinemedia.com or Patreon.com/scanlinemedia. Um, we recently, we also recently released um, a new novel, not new episode on Psychedelica of the Ashen Hawk, which you can find at readinggames.online. It happens to be part of the Abnormal Mapping Network as well. And um, the next game we're going to set our sights on is The Last Express by Jordan Mechner. So we're pretty, we're pretty excited for that. I'm excited for that. That's one of the, like, um, we always wanted to cover for years, but never actually got around to it. So I'm going to be, I'm excited to have you do it and I can listen to your podcast and I don't have to do any work. Yeah. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Works out great for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so if you want to find me, I'm in Twitter. At, I'm and Twitter. Yep, that's me. Um, <laughs> on Twitter at 6Detmar, S I X D E T T M A R. I'm Scanline Media as well, so you can find me the same places as Jen. If you listen to one Final Fantasy VII Remake spoiler cast, listen to the Abnormal Mapping one. If you listen to two, you should probably listen to the Waypoint one. But if you listen to three... The Waypoint hasn't done one. I mean, they did a they did a, just a regular episode. Yeah. They will be doing one, oh. so you can scope them if you get yours out fast enough. Yeah. I mean, it's coming out, as we're recording this, it's coming out later today. Jen and I recorded a spoiler cast, and we both first listened to the abnormal mapping ones, so we would talk about different things and not have to compete <laughs> in the field of ideas. Uh, yeah, that, we did that for um, with Waypoint and Disco Elysium. I must rec- recommend that. It's always good to listen, point at someone else's podcast and be like, ah, they covered the basics. Yeah, it's like, listen, I, like, I am... I am absolutely not not too arrogant to admit if you want if i was going to go up against jackson and austin in discussing the themes of this game i don't want to do that i want to uh, talk about the gameplay and the like the world building <laughs> that yeah, it's, it's good i like to put down the wards <laughs> <laughs> the wards are very good wards are good is the thing can uh, you believe the the dude who uh was on that waypoint podcast didn't level up triple slash that move is busted yo you gotta have triple slash you gotta i was, have triple I was slash. getting every single move uh I'll, I'll replay that game not anytime soon but i can't i'm excited to eventually replay it on hard and really get like into the combat system but uh <sighs> well uh with all that said folks thank you so much for listening we will catch you next week with more kingdom adventures but until then read on read on Read on. Read on.